back, everybody, to your creativity. We're on a Skype call once again, you know, quarantine time podcasting, I guess. And tonight we're on a call with um, Rick Darris himself, Rick Darris from Clerks, Ernie O'Donnell. How are you, Ernie? I'm good, man. Hanging in there. How is the weather there in Jersey? Uh, Jersey's not too bad. Today we were about uh, 50 degrees or so. So, but it's a little, a little cold, little, I mean, a little rainy, but, uh, you know, it's better than snow. We had a light sun, a light winter, so I'll take it. Yeah, ours was pretty light, too. We had a couple of big storms, which caused snow days, but uh, I'm happy it's spring. Yeah, so am I. So, um, I mentioned Clerks and mentioned New Jersey. You are a longtime friend of uh, Kevin Smith, um, famous director. Um, how, how did you meet him? You know, you've been friends since grade school, right? Yeah, we met in the fifth grade, uh, in Catholic school, OLPH, they used to call us little grasshoppers, uh, we used to wear green, green and white outfits, but, uh, yeah, I met Kevin in the fifth grade and it's, we've been friends now for almost 45 years. So, uh, it's been, it's been a long road. Now, everybody sees this big, you know, outgoing person. How, how was he back then? Um, hmm. I mean, Kev was a little more reserved. He was a little sh- never confer- confrontational. He was a little shy. I mean, I think back then kids were different. So Kev being overweight um, was kind of, you know, a thing that he had to deal with which kind of stinks, but back back then when we were younger, that's just the way it was. Kids were, you know, kind of mean, but I surrounded myself with friends like that. Kev, which, you know, was a, you know, a little husky, I'll call it. Uh, my friend Sambo, uh, Sam Holland, he was husky. I was the skinny guy. My friend Mike Bellicose, uh, we really didn't give a shit, to be honest, though, yeah. like, uh kev had a great attitude and uh he loved movies and comedy and snl and all the cool stuff that we liked and he had a great imagination as we all did back then and uh we just clicked and got along really well that's that's awesome what what were you like back then were you you know were you an athlete were you uh i was well strange enough in the when we met in the fifth grade I got left back in the fifth grade and in Catholic school, it's not always for not being smart enough. I, my official reasoning for being left back in the fifth grade was that I was not there. The principal who was a nun, uh, her reasoning was I was not mature enough to proceed to the sixth grade. Now that laid in the hands of my mother meaning they brought my mother in for a meeting saying how much of a class clown I was in school. And I was always smiling and making jokes. (laughs) They gave her the ultimate decision of saying, we're going to leave it up to you. Should your son proceed to the sixth grade or not? And my mother worked for the court system. Uh, She was a court clerk. And ultimately, she said no. 
So <laughs> <laughs> I got left back because my immaturity. Uh, but it was a blessing in disguise because I met two of my best friends in the whole world. Mike Bellicos, who plays the inner row guy in Clerks, as everybody knows him, and Kevin Smith. Uh, so I have no problem being left back. I mean, my life changed uh, dramatically just because of that decision that my mother made. Uh, who knows where I would be now or who knows how my life would have changed. But there was a reason for it. So That's great. So um, um, during the time of uh, when he was uh, getting clerks together and, and starting to get a cast together, did he have a part for you set out or did you have to come audition and audition for a few parts? Uh, I mean, a lot of the VSU fans kind of know a little bit of how the, the story happened and what went on. Uh, it was documented a little bit in uh, the snowball effect in the clerk's 10th anniversary with... Uh, on some levels, uh, as far as I'm involved, it was inaccurate. And I had, I kind of straightened that out a little bit on the new movie uh, that's coming out, Shooting Clerks, uh, the bio about uh, Kevin Smith and how he created Clerks and his upbringing. But basically what happened was after at the tail end of high school when Kevin was going to go to film school and we had left, you know, we had graduated, Kevin wrote a move, went to film school and make, we kind of had a little bit of a, I hate to say it, but we kind of had a little bit of a rough patch there for a little bit. And uh, our friendship kind of went south for a small moment while he went away. And uh, he reached out to me and said that he was writing a movie, which I was, excuse me, which I was really happy about. Knew that he would one day because how talented he was and how great his writing was. Um, and he said he was writing it for me and he said he was writing this character for me and, uh, that he would show me the script when he was done. And I said, okay, I said, I'll, of course I'll read it. Uh, and I saw that as a, you know, a friendly gesture for us to kind of get back on track and to get our, you know, get back into the groove that we had. So he presented me with the script. I read it. He told me I was going to play the lead of Dante uh and that there was no need for me to audition because pretty much kevin knew what my capabilities were he's known me since the fifth grade and we've done comedy sketches together plays together uh you know a whole bunch of things together so he knew what i could do so he said you don't have to audition he's like but this is your part and we're gonna have auditions to cast everybody else so what proceeded was he had auditions at the First Avenue Playhouse, and he had asked me uh, about coming there. And I said, well, I'm, you know, if I got time, I'll come there. And I said, but you know what? He was trying to get a hold of Jeff Anderson to audition. And Jeff really, Jeff is a funny, funny, funny guy in high school. Really great. Cool guy, quick-witted. Uh, very animated, and he wasn't had nothing wanted nothing to do with acting at all. Right. Uh, but I somehow convinced him to come with me to the auditions with uh, Mike Bellicos because we were just going to go hang out and watch Kev and see the process. So we sat or stood, uh, leaned against the wall in the back and watched the process go on. Uh, at that time, Kev 
saw, you know, knew that I was there and that we were just watching, he saw that I brought Jeff. He was able to get Jeff to audition uh, for the for the role of Randall. But I think Jeff may have auditioned for a couple other things too. But Randall was the one that ultimately, obviously, he got. Uh, but at that point, Kev was reading, uh, auditioning other actors and asked me if I would throw some lines with one of the actors. And I, like any cast, anybody who's in the industry knows that as like a casting director or you go into a room, the casting director pretty much feeds you lines and the actor that they're auditioning does their part and creates that character. Right. I went up there with the intention of doing it just like a casting director. Uh, and Kevin also knows from our past that I never really would give my character 100% until I actually started shooting or was on stage. When we did all our plays, anything like that, or our comedy sketches, we would never really fully do anything until we actually hit that stage and then everything would explode. The characters would come out. So he knew my style. Uh, so that wasn't an audition for me. That was just me feeding lines to somebody. And that kind of got a little messed up along the way and people thought that that was my audition, uh, which it wasn't. And then the snowball effect that kind of says it is which is inaccurate. And I've talked about that uh, before on some podcasts and Q&A panels and things like that. Um, and that was represented in the movie Shooting Clerks, which is coming out uh, hopefully by the end of the year. So that that's, you know, if you want to say I auditioned, I mean, that's the, the real story of how it happened. Um, and from that, I guess the people that were in the room with Kevin at the, at the time kind of started swaying him a different way and saying that maybe somebody else should play that role. Uh, and it ultimately went to Brian O'Halloran, who at the end of the day, regardless of how things happened, because it's all water under the bridge as far as I'm concerned, uh, it, was the, it was the right choice. I mean, Brian O'Halloran brought a great uh, character to Dante. He played it extremely well the way it should be played. If I ultimately would have played Dante, it would have been different. It would have been a little smoother, a little cooler, uh, still maybe a little bit of a schlub, you know, like, a, but it would have been different. Uh, people would have been used to that style, but the style that Brian brought to it was just, you know, the one that it really needed. So, uh, you know, I had no problems with the way it went. Uh, very happy with everybody. And uh, we're all friends. Me and, me and Brian are good friends. Uh, and I've talked to him about this personally years ago. Because uh, I think at some point, uh, Brian thought I may have had a little resentment towards him. But that was never the case, ever. So, no, everything's good. I mean, we're all adults. We're all friends. Uh, and things happen for a, re for a reason. So, it is what it is. And then you, uh, you've appeared in a few other of his films, uh, Chasing Amy, Dogma, uh, Strike Back, and the new Reboot. Um, yeah. Tell us, tell us about Reboot. That, that, I bet that was a crazy shoot at the, the, the con. Oh, it's uh, like you've seen it, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it three, three times. I, uh, I, I saw uh, the uh, Fathom Theater, okay. you know, the theater run. And then when it came here to Salt Lake, I went to the the roadshow screening, 
and then when I bought it on video, I I watched it. So I've I've sunk at least a hundred bucks into that movie just just to see it. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> that kind of was. Um, I got a call from Kev uh, while they were already in New Orleans shooting. Right. He said to me, he goes, well, I'm thinking of doing a Clerks panel thing for Reboot. And he gave, you know, I, re I, re I read the script a long time earlier. So I knew kind of the concept. I knew the scene he was talking about. But he had the idea of introducing uh, the Clerks panel, which I thought was uh, was really good. I mean, the Clerks people should be in this somehow. So yeah. he asked me to rally around and get Marilyn and Scott Schiaffo and Cousin Johnny, who, you know, he's in touch with anyway, Cousin Johnny. Uh, yeah. So I got everybody together, helped out with the flights and arranged it for us to go down there. And he wanted to keep it top secret. Uh, he didn't want nobody to know what was going on. We tried to keep it, you know, as, as under the radar as possible, which we did. We even took a group photo, which he was adamant about. He's like, Nobody can have this photo. You can't show it to anybody. You can't do anything. I think we were like one of the because he was released, as you see, he was releasing himself all the cameos that were being done. Yeah. Which I was kind of shocked about. I, I wish he would have left a few of them, you know, in the dark so people were a little bit more, uh, you know, excited about it. But it worked out. I mean, we had a great time there. And then when he showed us what we were actually doing, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so. it, was, it was very clever. Won't give it away. People go go watch it. It's on Amazon for free right now. But yeah, it it, it was a a great a great gag. Um, oh, and he, I mean, it it is a quick it's a quick gag. Yeah, the, the way that he does it, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but the way that he does it is just genius. I mean, it's just it really. I mean, because he said to me, he's like, listen. This is going to be a memorable moment because of what we're doing. And he sh actually showed it to me right after they did it. He had his tech guy work it up. He worked it up real. I mean, I can't believe how fast he had it done. And he showed it to me. And I was like, holy shit, dude, this is that's pretty cool. You know, so I was pretty happy. I mean, we had a great time. And it's always good to hang out with Kev on set and, uh, you know, shoot the shit and watch him do his thing. But it was a great atmosphere down there. The crew was great. The hotel that he get got us was great. I mean, I have no complaints. I mean, it was, he really does, he does it right. Well, it, it's one of my favorites. I think Clerks 2 is probably my ultimate favorite than, oh, the yeah. original, than the original Clerks, then Dogma, then this. It's probably, no, probably even with uh, Chasing Amy in that fourth spot. But yeah, it's, it's pretty high up. I, I really enjoy it. Now, um, you've been in a few other of his uh, non-Jane Silent Bob movies, uh, well, uh, all of them except, I guess, uh, uh, Make a Porno. Um, what, what, were, what were those um, sets like? Was that the usual Jane Bob kind of hijinks to it? Because those other three are quite a bit different than his regular, right. regular run. The first one I was in was... Uh by referring to his red state right i had a small uh, part in red state i played a, a swat assault team member i got to do my own stunts i got blown up 
I got to play with machine guns and run through fires and explosions. Uh, that was out in uh, Santa Ana at the uh, Firestone Ranch we shot that. And that was really cool. And I actually worked with Michael Parks on that level and watched him do his thing. It was a master class. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, I mean, having John Goodman there and working with, you know, along with him there and stuff like that is cool. But to actually watch Michael Parks do his thing and the character and the different ways he would do it each time he shot was just amazing. And the nicest, sweetest guy in the world. And that set, again, everybody loves him because he treats the cast and the crew so great uh, in such a good way. And same as I was down in Florida, I think it was last year or a year and a half ago now, maybe. I did Kilroy was here, the uh, anthology he's doing uh, with the Ringling School. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I played two parts. I played uh, a priest. Well, I'll say this. I played a good priest and a pedophile priest. So <laughs> I had two roles. Both and, ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, it was hot as balls down there. And Kevin's always thinking of ways to make the casting crew forget about how bad things are and give them some sort of appreciation for how hard they are working. Well, he would send ice cream trucks to the set. Oh, so cool. Yes. And, I mean, that's what people remember. I mean, he, he does things like that to show his appreciation of the of how much work these guys put in for him. And he did the same thing on, on Red State. Each day he'd have a different food truck come there. And that's besides the normal catering and the normal right. services. This would be like a little specialty thing that he would just to show his appreciation for everything that these guys do, which is, you know, that's the right way to do it. I mean, he, he does it with style. They all love him. You know, he's very laid back when it comes to directing on no matter what, if it's a Jay and Bob movie or if it's a regular movie, you know, he knows his position. He knows what he's capable of doing. And he lets the other crew do their thing because that's what they're the masters at. He knows that. And he appreciates it, and he always shows the, that appreciation to them, which is, you know, you can't ask for anything more than that. Oh, that, that that's how it should be everywhere with everything, in my opinion. Yeah. Encouraging. But it's not. Encouraging. No, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. No, let's talk about shooting clerks. It's, uh, it's a biopic about Kevin, and it's been featured in an episode of uh, Comic Book Men, yeah. and, and you're a producer on it. Tell, tell us about the project and where they are with it so as of as of the, in the last from what i understand in the last couple months there they've been toying around with the idea of possibly even changing the name of shooting clips uh but i think they well from what i mean i was told i talked to brian o'halloran just recently about it and he kind of stepped in because he's one of the producers also uh he stepped in and was adamant about it, not changing it. And he was correct. And we're all, everybody was trying to, you know, had the same opinion that it's not a good idea. Because for the last, what, almost two years, three years, they've been rolling with this thing. Right, Every, yeah. Was it as shooting clerks? It's a brilliant title, especially with the, 
you know, the irony of how the original Clerks ended. Also, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that alternative ending, right, with Dante. Yes, and uh, cousin Johnny, you know, uh, who plays the killer, coming in and uh, killing Dante. So they're working all that out. They got a new poster that they're working on. There's just some red tape stuff that they're going through. Uh, I believe they're really, really close. And from what they're telling us, uh, by the end of the year, they're really hoping to have it out. Um, and those guys over there are just awesome. Uh, Chris Downey and his whole crew um, were just great. I mean, they didn't shoot some of our stuff here in the States. Uh, that was done by Ryan. Um, Ryan James. Uh, Ryan James, yes. Yeah, uh, I met him briefly at the reboot uh, when it was here in yeah. Salt Lake. Ryan, a great guy, very talented, uh, and he directed my scene uh, as Sergeant Spenning, uh, which is uh, <laughs> I had a plan <laughs> doing, <laughs> and uh, I was actually able to bring my niece in to play the new version of the girl buying cigarettes. If you remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, I mean, the way that it even happened was just so great by them doing these small little vignettes of movies about Jay and Bob, you know, like Get Dorito, um, and Kevin recognizing it and noticing what these guys are doing and then getting behind it and giving them the support that they needed and that they were looking for. And then to get all us clerks people involved and the whole View Askew universe kind of just jumping in and helping these guys out because they're such a wonderful uh, group of guys and girls. And, you know, I couldn't be happier with the product. The copy I saw at the Atlantic Cinema over a year ago, I thought was really, really good. And uh, there was a little few glitches because it wasn't, 100% yet, but I was yeah. pretty happy with what these guys did on a super low budget. Well, and that also mirrors what Kevin originally did with Clerk, so it's yeah, it, it, very very poetic how it's how it's working out for them. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of being a producer on that, you also um, were the producer on uh, uh, Silent but Deadly, the his comedy special that that's when he. Had his heart attack. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I wasn't at the, the theater when that happened, thank God, because I would have been freaking out. Uh, but um, I was in the early stages of that, of that uh, stand-up special. So Kevin brought me in on the early stages of that to do a lot of the setup, organizing, getting things together, and putting things in place. Uh, in order for ultimately it being taken on by Showtime. Uh, and then once I got it in, kind of got a lot of things into motion, uh, then it went out to L.A. and it was shot. Originally, we were going to shoot it at the Ryman Theater in Nashville. Um, but then things changed once Showtime got involved and it was shot uh, locally in Glendale. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I got that. That was a strange, a strange thing for me. I did, you know, I got that phone call early that next morning uh, about Kevin, and uh, 
mean, my heart sunk. I can't. I, it's, it's an unimaginable feeling to get that call, knowing that one of your friends of, of you know, forty some odd years has just had a heart attack. It's just, you know, it's going to happen eventually with people and friends, and when you get older. But he's right. a he's a young guy, and I'm I you know we consider ourselves pretty young still. And that's just a real kick in the kick in the gut when you get that. But I am super stoked uh, that he's healthy and feeling better and is in great shape. And uh, I ask him how his health is all the time and to make sure he takes care of himself. And uh, he seems to be doing that and doing it right. So it's it's a good thing. When when that happened, it was about two weeks after he did a show here uh, in in Utah. He usually does it when he comes to Sundance, you know, since he's out here anyway. But, um, I, you know, this time I was hanging out in the green room with him. And it was really cute because he was on his stomach with his legs up on his phone. (laughs) He looked like a teenage girl. But but we weren't weren't talking to each other. And then that happened two weeks later, you know, and with not knowing, you know, when it happened, what would come if he'd get better or if, you know, what happened. And it's just like, it, it just reminded me, you know, you, you gotta, when situations are happening, you gotta embrace them, you know, take advantage of them the best you can. Just don't let them, you know, slip away. So it, it helped me rethink my mortality and get, get more focused on things. And, well, and I think it also, uh, it regenerated Kevin on multiple levels to get to doing things that he always wanted to do, regardless of what the naysayers say, the critics say. He, you know, he disregards all that, as you know. I mean, if you're a fan, oh, yeah. he just does what he wants to do, regardless, because he does it for the fans and he does it for himself. Uh, so he was, you know. He just was brought to a different level after this. And um, I also think that it's it made a lot of people around him or that love him. He's got millions of fans also realize that, you know what, life is short and I need to do what I always wanted to do. May it be make a film or make an animated TV series or artwork, anything to do, you got to do it. If it's good or bad, who cares? Just at least do it. Just go out exactly. there and do it. I mean, not everything's going to be gold, but at least say that you did something and you tried and you started. I mean, I think you kind of, you know, did that for a lot of people with that also. And th- that got him to rewrite the Clerks 3 script he was working on, which um, brings us back to your organizing events. Uh, yeah because you did a clerks three script read uh with him but you were the you know the main organizer behind it as a fundraiser for the the theater where you guys had your auditions for clerks tell us about that event right so well before we did the clerks reading uh i've done some stuff for him on you know different levels but i had ran the vulgar song for him just recently, before that, the, the, 
I'm going to say maybe eight months before that I ran, or six months before that I ran Volgathon, which is a, a movie, an all-day movie ex, uh, experience with uh, view askew movies and swag bags and all that kind of stuff. So I ran that whole event uh, and Q&As, and he loved it, and I thought I did a great job. So then he proposed the idea to me about doing the First Avenue Playhouse and if I wanted to put that together. So, of course, I jumped right in and did that. And I'll tell you what, I had a blast. We, we all read multiple parts. Uh, and we didn't know what was going on until Kevin showed up that day. So, <laughs> we were, yeah, it was, it was, we were kind of by the seat of our pants, which is actually was good in a way. Because I was asking him as the organizer, I was like, Kev, I need the scripts. I need you to send them. To, I need I need it so I can hand it out to the players that are going to do their thing. And right. who specifically are you bringing somebody else in that I don't know about? I mean, I need to know all the details. So he kind of held off until like the first like two hours before the show. Oh. That's kind of when we got the scripts. Wow. So, yeah. So none of us actually were able to read it fully. I mean, Brian had read it before in the past. Uh, I kind of knew a little bit of what the script was about, but never read it in detail. Um, so he was just giving us the characters right there in the green in the green room at the playhouse, saying, "You're going to read this. You're going to do that. You're going to do that, and then you're going to do four more characters, and you're going to do this." <laughs> so I was, we were all taking notes, you know, on the pen. Uh, we had the the yellow highlighters going, and we're like, "All right," and he goes, "This will be fun. This will work. This will work." And what was cool about it is, as we started reading it, Kev would give little tiny commentaries, quick ones, while we were doing it. And he would yeah. ask for direction, like as is, he was directing. Uh, <laughs> oh, Brian, you're not, give me a little bit more of this. Or you're not, that's, that's not how it would be done. It would be done like this. Or Ernie, you know, you got to be a little bit more louder. Or, 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 you know, he's doing this in this moment. And I'm like, okay. So it was really fun. and. Uh, the crowd loved it. I mean, they just loved it. They ate it up. And uh, that, you know, whoever got a seat to that got something really special. Because uh, that will never happen again unless Kevin decides to do it at the Smod Castle when we open it up. So it was it wasn't recorded or anything? Uh... <laughs> or, you, or you can't say or... <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> I I don't well Kevin let's just say Kev records everything. So okay. what he does with it, I don't know. But almost everything he does gets recorded. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well let's segue into the, the Smod Castle. So it uh when it was in California the first time it was a podcasting studio, pretty small. I don't remember the number of seats. How many seats are going to be roughly in this new one? Well, we're about 1,400 square feet, and we're in the original location of the quick stop. We're at the end unit of the building. Um, we have specific laws that we have to, you know, we have a guideline to fire right. and things like that. So capacity-wise, we have to have we have to have a limit. I don't think we'd ever go over 70. 
it's going to be a small, intimate venue. Um, but we'll be doing two to four shows a weekend uh, for when Kevin comes in. Now, Kevin's plan is, and as long as we can stay on schedule, obviously things are going to get in the way. A movie may get in the way where he's shooting a movie or he's shooting a television show. And his fans should understand that. Um, but he's going to try his hardest to get there every month. And if he's not there, we'll hope to have somebody else uh, doing something. But we're going to have shows every single month, which will turn into eventually every week. Because the Smodcastle isn't going to be just for podcasting. Um, we plan on doing podcasts, uh, which will have a live audience. Um, if you don't want to have a live audience, you don't have to allow a live audience. We're going to do live stage readings uh, of a lot of Kevin's work that has never been published or seen. Uh, there's a lot of comics, books that he's written that he's never got out there. I mean, obviously, everybody knows about Superman Lives that has right. never been out there, uh, which, you know, that's something I would love for him to bring out of the vault to read because I think that would be a huge, huge uh, event. Uh, there's footage and stuff that he has that he would love to do commentary on and Q&As of scenes that he shot that nobody's ever seen. So there's so much content that he has that he can show the fans that they've never seen before. So that's one aspect. We're also looking to do marriages. People want to get married by Kevin. Kevin's ordained. Brian O'Halloran's ordained. Some of the comic book men are ordained. So anybody that wants to do a wedding there, we're, we're going to facilitate that space for them. If you want to have a showing of your film, because uh, movie theaters are expensive to rent yeah. out. I mean, they're not going to give you a Saturday night or whatever. It's going to just way too much money. We'll give you that Saturday night. You know, you can bring 70 of your friends and family there to show your movie. Uh, we want to do gaming nights we're going to do like gaming tournaments uh we're, we're, i'm talking to jay muse now about him uh getting involved with that because he's a big gamer and he's involved with a lot of that stuff so we want to do gaming tournaments uh we want to do some type of uh comedy night because a lot of our viewers skewers out there are, are comedians uh some type of possibly art exhibitions because there's a huge huge amount of artists that we love and appreciate in the viewers universe that are always putting stuff out there we want to try to represent them at some point uh see if we can maybe do a show for them or if they want to have a show there but basically it's a empty space that will have the ability to host roughly 70 people and you can obviously it's a Obviously, we have to make money. We have to pay the rent. We have to pay the, you know, the utilities. Right. So we'll have we'll have that coming out soon. How much everything will cost for the space? Um, but somebody just wants to have a birthday party, and it want to be, you know, for a cosplay, VSQ dress up, something. You can rent that space for for an amount, and we will give it to you. There'll be a pay, PA system there. There'll be uh, 85 inch TV, there'll be 251 inch TVs, there'll be, you know, recording equipment. You know, we'll have a bunch of stuff there that's going to be available uh, for people to use and rent. 
So it's not just what the Smod Castle was in LA. This is 10 times that. You know, it's we're trying to give the fans the ultimate experience of doing everything. That, that's awesome. So 2.0, but on, yeah. on steroids. Yeah. On steroids, yeah, because the podcasting thing is great. Uh, but we also, as a lot of the fans know, the shared universe, which was created by Mike and Ming from Comic Book Men, they have their podcast studio in Eatontown. So yeah. what we want to do is kind of work with them, collaborate with them on some levels uh, where they could come in and bring their podcasters in there and do a live podcast. So we don't want to forget about them, you know, because they they kind of, you know, have a good hold, have a good hold on podcasting and stuff right now in that area. And we want to promote them, work with them uh, and, you know, kind of do things hand in hand whenever we can with the uh, shared universe. But we also want to utilize the fan base and try to get them involved on any level we can uh, with this with the Smodcastle. Great. Um, I think the audio stopped recording. I think I'm just going to pull the audio from the video so we, we can keep going. Um, uh, growing up, what kind of uh, people inspired you and in, in the things that you were working on? Um, you know, the skids, film, um, things like that. Um, well, being in high, uh, in grammar school, oh, God, it's grammar school. So in grammar school, when I met Kevin and Mike Bellicose, and I was a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. I mean, so was right. Kevin. That's Kevin was too, and that's how we kind of gravitated towards towards each other originally. Uh, and same, we had a huge passion both for the Blues Brothers also. Um, so you can kind of just, I mean, most people know, you can feel when there's creative people around you that want right. to, that kind of have the same aspirations that you do. So... I was inspired by, you know, SNL. Uh, I was a huge fan of Star Wars and all that kind of stuff and movies in general. I mean, I just loved watching Saturday morning movies, you know, Kung Fu theater. I was huge into Kung Fu and that kind of oh, I never did any of that stuff. But, I mean, I was just amazed by all that. Jason and the Argonauts and a lot of the classic movies that we used to watch. And I always aspired to want to be that or be something like that and my god when i first saw you know james bond and 007 i was a huge fan of that those kind of things really want made me think oh you know maybe someday i could do something like that and when i when i saw or actually me and kevin had an argument no i wouldn't say an argument a disagreement in grade school He's like, oh, yeah, James Bond's the greatest, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, but you haven't seen Indiana Jones yet. I was like, who the hell is Indiana Jones? <laughs> and he Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just saw it last night with my dad. He's like, he blows 007 away. He's the greatest. Ever. And I was I was like, no way, James Bond. 
fast. Are you kidding me? That weekend, I went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark and kind of, I was like, oh, you know, I was just amazed. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is movie making right here. I mean, this is, I mean, Spielberg just knocked it out of the park, you know? Uh, it's it's those moments and those little things, of, you know, as, as a young as a young kid, you just see. And the power of the movie and the silver screen is just, it just, you know, it captures your imagination. Me and Kev used to make little films, which we have no record of, no evidence of, but we tried making our own little films uh, when we were kids uh, with the VHSs and stuff like that. Um, but we didn't know what we were doing. That's why we don't have them, you know? Right. But, yeah, it just, and then going to, I was so jealous of him when he got to go to Universal Studios because he used to go on these family trips with his mom and his dad. And he got to be a part of a Blues Brothers sketch at Universal. Oh, cool. Because they pull people out of the audience to do these little sketches. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so jealous. Oh, oh. And finally, when I got to go, they didn't have that anymore. But I actually was pulled out of the audience to do a Back to the Future one. So... <laughs> As Marty or... Uh, no. As, uh, oh my goodness, as Doc. Okay. Yeah, so I was up on the, the watchtower trying to connect the electrical wires. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I got to do what he did, but uh, I had my moment. Um, it wasn't the Blues Brothers, but me and him actually, a lot of people don't know, used to perform the Blues Brothers, me and Kevin. I, I could see that. Yeah, he was, okay. he was Jake, I was Elwood, uh, uh, and we performed. Now, back then, lip-syncing was uh, was very big as far as karaoke and stuff. Right. But karaoke hadn't started, but me and Kev did a lip-sync of Everybody Needs Somebody. And we yeah. were dressed in the suits, the suitcase. We did the whole routine, the dancing. The briefcase with the chain, pulling out the harmonica. Can't even try to do a somersault flip. <laughs> it was we had the greatest time. I mean, it was just all those kind of things. You know, is is why we're is why we're at where we are today. Those imaginations and those things that we do and the things that we did. Uh, you know, you just don't forget where you came from and where you learned it from. That's awesome. Uh, one of our bonus questions is kind of kind of ties into that. Uh, you know, the podcast is called Your Your Creativity. So, um, what does creativity mean to you? Well, I have it on two levels. One is a carpenter. So, every day I go to work, I create something from scratch, from from nothing. Um, so that's one aspect of my life, and I've been doing that for. 30, 30, a little over 30 years now. So I've created a lot of stuff for people. Uh, and I don't even think I appreciate it anymore that much because you kind of get numb to it. You know, you just you just go through the motions. Right. There's gratification uh, because you're making that person very happy for giving them a bathroom, a kitchen, or building them a bookcase or whatever it is that they want. So at this point, 
at this point in my life, now that I'm doing more producing, directing, writing, that creative side of me growing up, always doing those things when we were younger. Now, as in, in my you know early 50s, uh, being able to create and write something and actually have it on the screen is very gratifying. I just did my first short about six months ago that I wrote, directed, produced, starred in. I brought a small crew around of friends that I know and can rely on. And I created something from nothing and made it into something. Those kind of things breathe life into you. Right, yeah. You know, they don't have to, like I said before, they don't have to be the greatest, you know, pieces or the most, you know, award-winning. But if it's gratifying to you to actually take something that was nothing, just a speck in your mind, and create it and put it out there and say, I made this. You may not like it. You may you may like it. It may be controversial, which mine is. is very controversial. Uh, but, again, it goes back to, like we talked about, like Kev, Kev always said, just go out and make something. Create something. And there's nothing more fulfilling than creating something from nothing. Uh, even if it's just for yourself. It doesn't have to yeah. be somebody else. If you can just do it for yourself, it's very fulfilling. And uh, I wish I would have listened to Kev a long time ago. He told me years and years ago, uh, I'm going to say probably wow, almost 20 years ago, he said, OD, just, just go out and make something. Just go do something. And, uh, you know, me, I was thinking, well, I don't have the time or the money to take off of work to make something. But it's never too late. I mean, now my carpentry business, it's not slowing down, but I'm going to slow that carpentry business down because I'm at a point in my life where physically I really don't want to, really don't want to do it that much more. I get more enjoyment in creating other stuff, like writing a, writing a, a script, doing film, doing a pilot, a sitcom, whatever it is. Those are the things that I'm looking forward to now. And it's, it gives you a lot of enjoyment just, just to create stuff. And it, again, it doesn't have to be our industry, the film, or it could be anything, dude. Anything you want. I got yeah. friends who create signs or art or, you know, anything. It's just, I have a friend that worked on Wall Street for 40 years, okay? Okay. Tons of money. He's a millionaire. He finds the most. He just retired uh, six months ago. He said he's the happiest he is now because what he does in his shed, he built himself a wood shop in his shed, and he makes things. He makes ashtrays. He makes plaques, signs. He gives them to people. Things like. He loves it. He said it's the most fulfilling thing that he's done. I mean, that's he, awesome. Yeah, I mean, see, it, it, there's never a time limit on this kind of stuff. So, the mind, the way the, you know. Yeah, and the way the world is now, it's a lot easier for you to get yourself out there and be seen, you know, than it was, you know, 20 years ago. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that brings it all back to, like, when Kev said, oh, you got to do something. Yes, that's true. But back then, even back then, 20 years ago, it was extremely hard to get stuff out there, even to, even to get equipment. But nowadays, it's so much easier. There's so many avenues to get your stuff out there. You don't even have to have equipment anymore. You can have a phone. Yeah, your phone does everything. You can make and edit and yep. publish right on it. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, that new Gaga video they have on TV is amazing if you shot on an iPhone. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, okay, this uh, next uh, question is about our next bonus question. Who is your favorite Muppet and why? <laughs> uh, favorite Muppet? Well, I'd probably have to say probably be Oscar the Grouch. And not that I'm grouchy. I just, there was something about him coming out of that, you know, coming out of the garbage can and eating the cookies and how, you know, he was just all crazy and stuff. I mean, I, I, I mean, Kermit was, you know, everybody loves Kermit, you know. Right. But I, I, yeah, I think Oscar the Grouch is probably uh, the one I grew up with. I, I enjoyed the most. But then the two guys at the balcony were pretty cool too, though. Um, Waldorf and uh, uh, yeah. Waldor Waldorf and the other one. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, Gonzo's my favorite, but those two guys are. They're actually, I mean, come on, all, all Muppets are great. Yeah, th th that's why I, I created this question because you know, there's no wrong answer, and they're all fun and they're all amazing. No, no, I mean they're not. And uh, lastly, in the movie of your life, who would you want to play you? So it has to well, It could be, you know, the actor could be living or dead. Just who would you want to play you in the movie of your life? I'm, it's, it's, it may be a little strange. He's dead. But if I was able to pick somebody to play my life, I'd probably say Elvis Presley. I mean, I'm a huge Elvis fan right. uh, also. And not, you know, not many people think he was the greatest actor in the world. Uh but if you know if you know this a lot of the backstories of Elvis and stuff like that, uh, he was probably could have been one of one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. I mean, he was, but to have somebody like that that I admire as much as I do, that, that would be pretty cool. The other one would probably be James Dean. I don't think there's anybody today that I could say ah they would be cool. But yeah, I'm more of an old school kind of guy. I mean, I like a lot of the old stuff. Yeah. A lot of good stuff from back then, so. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I people always ask the question, if you had three people that you'd want to meet, it would be Elvis, Jesus, and John Belushi. <laughs> I For me, it'd probably be Cary Grant, Tom Hanks, Spielberg, maybe. You know, because, you know, I've met Kevin a handful of times, so he's, you know, He's no longer because I I get to see him, you know, right. generally once a year. But right. but from that time, Cary Grant because he was just so he was he was hilarious. Oh, man. those are those are movie stars back then. Definitely, not, not many of them left anymore. Not many. Okay. So um, they've been releasing videos for the um, the Smod Castle. Um, is there a rough timeline of we'll, we'll see more videos of the 
the progress because it's planning to open in July. At uh, June, this point. We're shooting for June 20th. That was the plan. Uh, as long as the, you know, yeah. <laughs> went on today, doesn't postpone it again. We are shooting for June 20th, that weekend. Um, there'll probably be another video up next week. Okay. Yeah. Since we were originally going to do it every week, but since our timeline has changed, now we have a lot more time and there's just not enough. There's not enough content for us to put up there. So we're probably going to go bi-weekly, put a video up. Um, and it, it's kind of just going to be the progression of the Smod Castle, uh, with me showing you what I'm doing there. Some people may find it boring. I mean, it's it's me just you know sheetrocking, spackling, painting, just doing things like that. Just kind of the progression. It's kind of be like more of a home show of the Smod Castle uh, to a degree. I mean, obviously there'll be some funny little moments here and there, and uh, we'll mix it up uh, once we get closer. But uh, yeah, they'll, they'll they'll keep coming. Yeah, the next one is uh, like I said, probably sometime mid to late next week will come back come out. Okay. Yeah. So if, if uh, um, so you can catch those on Kevin's uh, YouTube channel. Um, where where else can they catch on what you're working on? Um, you know, shooting clerks and other projects you have going on. Yeah. So obviously we have shooting clerks is coming out at the end of the year. Uh, I have a film I help produce, make a cameo in, uh, called Gone for the Weekend, uh, with Burbank Films. That's available on Amazon. I also have um, 100 Acres of Hell. Uh, it's a movie I produced and co-star in. That's a horror movie. That's on all streaming platforms uh, out there. So. I mean, it's DirecTV, iTunes, you name it, it's it's there. The only one it's probably not on is Netflix, because Netflix is, you know, they just do Netflix and nobody else. So we yeah. opted to go the other direction, and now we're on like 25 platforms. So we're pretty much everywhere with 100 Acres of Help. Uh, I also got an animated sitcom I'm getting close to uh, finishing. Uh, that's called The Secret Society of Handymen. Uh, that should, you know, I'll probably release a trailer of that probably by the end of the year. Um, that's been in the works for about three years. And then I got a huge project I'm working on with my friend Stacy Toy. It's a movie called Buda Vista Highway. We're probably looking at about a four to hopefully a four to six million dollar budget if things go well. And that's a true life story of uh, some really crazy stuff about forgiveness, love, drugs. Uh, it's it's a tough one. It's people are going to be surprised by this one, but we got some interest already uh, from Paramount and uh, an A lister already looking at it. So hopefully that takes off. That would be really big for me. Um, and then the last thing is like uh, I'm working on a pilot. With my buddy Troy Bank, with my buddy okay. Troy Bank from Burbank Films, a pilot called On Your Own. That's a sitcom pilot. And then this coming weekend, I'm doing something with the Indie Brigade uh, called DefCon One. That's an online convention. Oh, cool! Yeah, 
So a lot of horror celebrities, independent filmmakers are all going to be doing a convention all weekend online so people can interact with the independent filmmakers and ask questions, find things out. There'll be vendors where you can actually purchase goods still like you would at a convention uh, and talk to your favorite horror stars like Kane Hodder and uh, Berryman. And it, it's a really, really cool concept which George Romero Jr. is running at Indie Brigade. And I think it's something really cool for what's going Considering what's going on right now, I mean, podcasting, doing this, that we're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, it's good It's good content. It gives us something to do and, you know, gives people something to listen to and watch. Well, I'll, I'll share the link with the you're, – you're part of the Your Creativity family, so – well, you're on our shared list, so anything you want shared with our listeners, you know, I can push that through our socials. So I'll I'll get those links from you and get that up. Well, thank you so much for your time, Ernie. Thank you. And have a good night and stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Yes, sir. I hope so. podcast is done, man. <laughs>